Well, welcome back to another episode of The Miles Driven with me, Miles. And hello, I'm your co-pilot for the afternoon, Sam. Well, you keep going with the really enthusiastic stuff, mate. Every single time, don't you? Huh? <laughs> what more what, do you want? What's happened to the languages? Well, we've got I'm, the languages back. No. No, <laughs> we're not getting them. You're getting funny funny intros instead. This is the thing, I, I start to give him the summer off and let him have half the week yeah. off and he loses Give an inch, all. take a mile. Yeah, there we go. Uh, today we are going to talk about... Uh, there's a book I'm reading actually, which we're going to talk oh, about. Good lord! Yes, it's a car book though, and um, something to do with car design. But also, I want to start, and I mentioned this to Sam before the podcast, um, with the car to buy right now. Can you remember what I said, Sam? It was a, a little while ago now, probably about an hour ago. Yeah, I can, but I disagree with you. So I'm not. Saying I know that. he disagrees, which is why it would make good for the yeah. podcast. So you tell us what you think everyone should buy. You can buy a Jaguar XF, brand new. For £35,000. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me to buy a Vauxhall Astra. Oh, uh, well, I do think you should buy a Vauxhall Astra. But no, Jaguar XF for £35,000 in this market, uh, I think if you wanted to, that was for the base spec. Although the base spec actually wasn't too bad. It was a diesel, but they don't really do, I, I say base spec, they don't really do base spec anymore. Like no. They've cut all the base spec off. So you've still got like a sort of sporty-ish kit on the outside and a lot of the things you kind of expect. I think if you spend another couple of thousand, you go up to the next spec, and that's probably the one you'd buy. What you go then? What go and buy it? Yeah. The only thing for me is money. No, <laughs> is well, if I if if I genuinely was going to walk out, spend thirty five thousand pounds on a car, I don't think it would be a Jaguar XF for me. Well, but that's, that's why because no I, one is. Ah, but that's because I'm not a family man that needs you know a couple of you know rear seats and all that sort of stuff. I could buy something sporty. You couldn't because any sporty car that you want to buy is not for sale. It's un- it's insane, isn't it, Sam? And this is part <laughs> of the things we're going to come into. Is I was trying to, I was really hoping I would be able to pinpoint a car, and we've done this a few times where I could say, "Look, this is the car I think you should buy for families and whatever else, and it's quite a good deal." However, if that isn't a requirement of yours, you can buy such and such. And I, I came up with a complete blank. Like, if you want something sporty in that sort of £30,000 bracket, uh, outside of, like, a Golf GTI hatchback, but I'm talking about something sporty, something mm-hmm. where it's compromised and you're happy that it's compromised. <laughs> the, I'm not sure anyone's ever happy that they're compromised. No, I think they are. I think they just accept that it's compromised and it's the best they can do with the hand they've been dealt. I think some cars are better. I think a lot of cars are actually better. Because they're compromised. Because it, let's say you wanted a non-compromised... Going down car. a rabbit hole now. Yeah. But let's say you wanted a non-compromised... So, yeah, so Jaguar XF, if you've got £35,000 to spend, it's probably the car to go for. Only because Prestige badge looks good and compared to its competition, much, I mean, like a real bargain for, for what it is. So, um, the rabbit hole I was going to go down there was that cars that have, that make you sort of say, well... I'm not going to get this from it, but I'll get this instead. Mm-hmm. I think they're better cars than when car manufacturers now say, what we start with is a box. So we need to start with space. Do you know how many times I've heard car manufacturers say, we've maximized space? And I thought, do you know what? My best car memories are in cars where I felt cocooned. Really? Even if I, like I was a child and you get squashed in the back and you get that little sort of five inches of space to yourself just to read a magazine or something. You had a really poor childhood, didn't you? 
Uh, well, I was an only child, so I didn't well, actually get made, squashed in I'm the back. Squashed but... in the back of a car. If you ever had yeah. been squashed yeah. in the back well, of a well, car, I suppose in some you'll ways. know that having space is probably really good. It is until you realise if you want space, go and stand in a field. Like, genuinely. Like, think about well, it. Come, in, come with the opinions today, haven't yeah. you? <laughs> but, but think about it. Where do manufacturers keep going? Okay, we've maximised space. So the next car, what are they going to do? They're going to give you more space. And eventually, you do just say, stood out in a field, and someone said, right, that's 40,000 pounds. We stood in that field. We've yeah, given you, you maximum turn around space. And say, this isn't a car. Well, they say, we'll move the field. We'll pick you up in a car, drive you to the one. You can have loads of space there. Well, we're gone down the rabbit hole. Yes. We're into Wonderland at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just, I, I think the only car, by the way, that I could think of, and it's, I think it's actually a good car. I just, it's one of those ones where I can see why they're discontinuing it. Uh, Audi TT. Because an Audi TT sits on the chassis of, you know, a Golf or an mm-hmm. Audi S3. Um, but it is more, you know, it's, it's a nice, to me, to have that coupe shape that it has is nicer to own. Because you put that on your driveway and it looks sporty. You put an Audi S3. It looks sporty to me and Sam because we know what it is. To every other person, it's just an Audi hatchback. So yeah. it doesn't have, you know, you, you've got to know something about it. Um, to know what it is. And some people like that. They like the discreet thing of speed. But discreet speed now, unfortunately, has one answer, which is go and buy a Tesla. Yeah. Like if you want discreet speed, go and buy yourself just any of their stuff that's got a plus or whatever, or plaid or whatever <laughs> at the end of it. And you'll be able to do, you know, 100 miles an hour from a bare stop in a few seconds and feel ill. <laughs> do you know what I mean like if if your only goal is to go as fast as possible discreetly then it used to be seven eight years ago by a golf hour yeah like that was the sort of oh well you want discreet speed or, or an Audi S3 you know well this is fast but only people that know what it is will, will get it it's not like a Focus RS or ST that's in a loud colour with big spoilers and people kind of get the idea or, Do you think this might be the lowest uptake on new plates that we've had in a good few years? Do you know, really interestingly... This September, as soon as this is coming out in September. Yeah. I was reading... Uh, who released it? Uh, I, I think it was... I'm, I'm not going to say the company because I might get it wrong because there's a few different similar sounding companies. But they did a survey, according to them, they did a survey. And they said that the new number plate was one of the least important factors to new car buyers at the moment. Now, I think the reason for that is because, well, cars are expensive at the minute because you can't get a discount. It's interesting that they only interviewed new car buyers. Yeah. It's, like if you're going to buy a new car, you're going to get the plate. Yeah, exactly. But they're saying... Well, what they should have done is just interviewed people and said, how, how likely are you to buy a new so, car? Yeah. And then you that would, would know been, your Yeah, then uptake. that would have... That's, ridiculous ridiculous I, I survey can, to do i completely agree with you sam and i know some people might think what you're saying is a bit odd because they're like sure you'd only ask people in the marketplace but sam's right because when i used to sell new cars the amount of people that would wander into the showroom in july for example mm-hmm. and you know their car was say a couple of years old they weren't actually looking then and there to buy and then you'd say oh you've got one of those hmm, actually you know we'd probably pay quite good money for that if you're interested in our one enough we can have a chat if you want and just see what the numbers come out of. And I would say 50% of the time, and I'm genuine, 50% of the time, someone whose answer was, well, we'll have a look, ended up actually committing to a deal. Yeah, but you don't, you don't go 
you don't go and buy a new car just to have the brand new plate as soon as it comes out. Some people do. No, the, the, but the, what most people do is they'll hang on. So yeah. like if you're shopping in August. But it's not important, really. You know, if, if, if you're six weeks away and someone says, mm. well, if you wait an extra week, you'll get the brand new plate, you might go, ah, oh, yeah, all right, then I can wait an extra week. But yeah. that, that survey they're doing saying, how bothered are you about having the new plate mm. is complete and utter tosh. Well, yeah, what they, they should be doing is interviewing more people and saying, how likely are you in the next six months? How likely are you to buy a car? Yeah, Not how the, likely are you to buy yeah. a 22 plate car? This is the funny thing, isn't it? That I think... Well, sorry, it'd be a 70. Uh, 70, yeah. 72. 72. 72, yeah. Because we're on sorry. 22 yeah, yeah. in a minute. Uh, actually, Sam, you what? No, no. Yeah, because we did 21. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Uh, we did 71, sorry. So, yeah, now we are where we are. 72 is next. But it's funny for me, from, you, from having sold new cars, when I sold new cars, it was important to people. Yeah. They, we used to open at... I used to get to work... This is the only day of the year when I sold new. I've I've told you the stories of when I had to do ridiculous hours work selling used. But when I actually finally made it into a main dealer. <laughs> when you weren't scum anymore. Yes, exactly. And they said, you can wear a suit to work <laughs> and we don't demand that you work every single day of the week. You can actually have a day off. You can't turn up in a tracksuit and just put a jacket over <laughs> exactly, the top of it yeah. and sell. Um, we used to open early twice a year. And that was the 1st of March and the 1st of September. And we would open around 5.30. That's how early. We, you know, I'd sort of turn yeah, up to because you've got stuff to do. Because, yeah, you'd have so many people who wanted to collect their new number plate car to the point where one of my sales managers, just sorry, it wasn't, it was the general manager, he drove his, his new demonstrator home on the last day of August mm -hmm. on trade plates. And it was then registered the next morning live on the dvla system so he could drive to work with a brand new number plate <laughs> so you would if you're in that scenario you would have one of the newest cars on the road so it was yeah. very important at the time especially within the car sort of world because you could be a bit like oh well i've got i've got the newest number plate first yeah which is fine if that's what you are I'm not belittling people that no 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 but just, i think the company that did the, the thing was just stupid what, what i'm thinking is that now i'm not sure many com uh, many um car dealers will open early on september 1st no. this year because yes yeah, so to circle back round, do you think yes. it's going to be one of the i, I think it will be lower a, uptakes yeah i think it'll be a bit like the 58 number plate in the uk so you don't yeah. see too many cars on an 08 and a 58 mm -hmm. 09 they start to come a bit popular again then 59 and that's because of the recession okay so you if you look if you just happen to look for used cars today yeah you'll and you sort of go, well, and I'm talking sort of older. So you go, oh, 2004, what can I get then? 2005, what can I get then? You'll see. And then you'll suddenly get to 2007. You'll be like, okay, that's about the same number of options as 2006. You go into 2008 and the, the number of options you have just dwindles. So the same cars are on sale, just a m much, much lower uptake. Yeah. Um, obviously, at the minute, the uptake's a bit lower anyway because of world events. I'd be interested to know what the the split is between electric and hybrid vehicles and just diesel and petrol on people that do buy a new car. Uh, I know there's a, probably a bit of a skew on what's available. Do you know what is interesting? That they, I get, I, okay, it's a genuine, I know why they're doing it, but to me, and I think Sam would agree with me, but, well, you can make your own mind well, up in I a am, second. I'm mate, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
you would think they would say, okay, there's this many diesels, this many petrols, this many hybrids of all description, and then this many electric. Mm -hmm. They don't do that. They do this many diesels, this many petrols, this many plug-in vehicles, and then this many hybrids. So the plug-in means all the plug-in hybrids that are sold Mm -hmm. plus electric cars, and it inflates the number. Because, of course, there's a lot of people who are going, I'm not... I don't, I'm not really for an electric car or I don't know if it will suit me or whatever else, but I will buy a plug-in uh, Vox Lastra, like we talked about yeah. before the podcast. You know, you can buy a... So you still get, I think it's like a one... Oh, I can't remember the engine size. It's either a one litre or a 1.6 petrol with a, right, okay. with a plug-in. Sort of you can do 30 miles on the on the battery. Now, if you bought one of those, in your head, you'd probably think, well, I've bought a petrol car that plugs in. Mm-hmm. But in the statistics, you've bought a plug-in car that happens to have an electric, uh, right. sorry, that happens to have a petrol okay. engine. So it skews the figures a little bit. But I think the claim at the moment is it's something like um, like 12% of all new cars. Wow. Okay. Uh, it might even be higher. if you, Once you put in hybrids, it goes up to like 35 or 40%. But yeah. that's because so many cars are mild hybrid now mm-hmm. that you know it's almost i mean i would imagine in a year almost every car that's sold will fall under the hybrid bracket yeah so they'll say everything is electrified which is what manufacturers are racing to say our car is electrified it's like yeah yeah it is but there's varying levels to that just waiting so. for someone to release a car called grease lightning yes <laughs> I, so you might have nicked someone's idea mate <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah for the new number plates i think that uh, well, it, it would have already been seen by the time this this podcast comes out as to what exactly the numbers are like. But I think you're right. I don't think there'll be the uptake there has previously been. Whether that will last, probably looking at the. I think it will going over the winter. Yeah, I was going to say the way things are at the moment. Um, I'm just wondering whether it will go into the next number plate, which will be first of March. I mm. guess it probably will. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So it might be next. September. See, I think the manufacturers are in a, a bit of an odd position because they're being told, you know how they get targeted for their CO2? Yeah. And so actually, they are better off at the minute to just keep selling low numbers until 2025. Yeah. When a lot of them have already said by that date, we're going to sell, you know, they'll, they'll have their battery um, plants all mm-hmm. operating. But in this interim at the minute, they don't want to look like the bad guys. No. But they also... The demand is just for a new car, and people who are a bit skeptical or who just want, you know, that if you've got a ten-year-old Skoda diesel right now, and you say, "Yeah, it's done me a good job. I'll go and buy another one," it's one of the few cars where you could actually say, "I'll have another another diesel one." Yeah, but you would be talked into. What about the petrol plug-in? What about the petrol plug-in? You know, sad state of affairs. Um, well yeah go back to that Jaguar XF £35,000 and you got yourself a 2 litre diesel so um, great yeah (laughs) living the stuff of automotive dreams exactly that Uh, interestingly side story is the BMW 5 Series will be replaced next year right Um, and interestingly now I don't know if this was always the plan I would guess it was because I know how long and how far in advance car manufacturers do this but they are not going to bring in this um 
boulder, should we call it, boulder design. You know these massive grills? Oh, yeah. And these sort of very thin lights and boxy shapes, and people obviously get very upset about how Mm -hmm. they look, Uh, including us, actually. We've had a bit of a joke at BMW's expense on some of them. We have. But with the 5 Series, and I think it's quite clever from BMW, they've gone, who buys our 5 Series? Well, if you look at the world market, there's lots of mid-level executives that just need to do loads and loads of miles. Yeah. And so if we tell them, no, we're not selling the diesel anymore, we'll just lose a load of sales because it's easy for them. They have it as a company car, so they want low CO2, but they want to be able to drive hundreds of miles without stopping. Yeah. Or at least waiting when they've stopped. Uh, And obviously the the market outside of the UK um, skews that way anyway. So they've decided to release that as more of a... It definitely looks like a new car compared to the cu- the current one. Yeah. But it it's a bit like uh, the Mark 7 and the Mark 8 Golf. Like the Mark 8 oh, Golf okay. is a new Golf. But it's the same car. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, mean, I, I know BMW would argue vehemently and say, no, everything underneath is new. It's like, yes, no, I understand. Everything underneath is new and they're going to put new engines in it and all this sort of stuff. It's just that... The body's the same. <laughs> when they, yeah, when they designed it, they clearly went to the designers and said, look, we want to do some quite radical things in the next few years, but we really need to sell this car in the same numbers. And we are, were willing to risk the 7 Series market because it's like a few thousand people. And if they don't like it, then, you know, they'll come and go. Yeah. <laughs> um, whereas the 5 Series market, that's big profits and it's, you know, a, a, a huge volume seller. Mm-hmm. So let's not go too bold. Let's just kind of stay where we are and then in a few years, like within six, seven years, when you replace it, then you can go wild. Yeah. They've done that with it, which is quite interesting, I think. Uh, Mainly because they've said, okay, well, we're going to release it with mild hybrid engines. Oh, okay. Which is fair. I mean, you kind of expect, as I say, everyone kind of does mild hybrid at a minimum now, unless they're using an old Yeah, it's almost your entry level. (laughs) It is, yeah. Um, But they're going to do that with, I think, is there going to be a plug-in? I think there's one plug-in. But then they'll just do a fully electric 5 Series alongside. Right, okay. So there's going to be, you can buy an i5 yeah. or you can buy a 5 Series. But you can still buy, you know, if you walk in and say, I want a 2-litre diesel 5 Series, you'll still be able to buy one. Oh, Whereas well, if at least you, you've got the option. Yeah, yeah, it's great. We, you know, more options is a good thing. Mm-hmm. We've said that. And particularly, um, I think we've talked about this before, but how diesel can run off so many different types of fuel sources because of its compressing fuel and and the way it works and you can use biofuel if you want or whatever else uh it's one of those sort of really good um, options if you're saying well if the fuel changes in five years and it's a lot cleaner sure you just want the cleanest engine that can burn it yeah so oh yeah there's your answer sort of thing buy a five series you know um or buy that jaguar xf for for less which would you buy do you know what? I think I'd actually buy the Jaguar. Well, there you go. After saying you wouldn't buy it and it was a terrible car and everyone that would buy it was an idiot. <laughs> yeah. You Sam's making up words yourself. out of his own head. <laughs> um, no, I think the, the XF. The XF for me, and, and segues us quite nicely to what I want to talk about, which was car design. The XF for me, if you see one driving along, I don't think you mistake it for the cars. No, that's true. Whereas if you look at most... SUVs and saloons, new ones, like brand, brand new ones today. Yeah. A lot of them, I think, start to mold into one. 
No, um, I think that's fair. Because of safety and all that sort of stuff, it's come into it. And Jaguar are one of the brands they've managed so far to sort of go, mm, no, we know what our audience wants and they don't want that. Yeah. And that we're low enough volume that, you know, if we changed it, we'd lose all our customers. So we might <laughs> as well just stick with what we got <laughs> yeah. sort of thing. Um, we did the Jaguar XJ buyer's guide. Yes. And gave it a farewell at the end of that. And I, I said, you know, quite sad that's, that car's gone. I think if you see a Jaguar XJ driving down the outside lane of a motorway, you just sort of assume that the person in it's got something about them. Yeah, like, you know, prime ministerial yeah, title. Yeah, <laughs> exactly that, yeah. Um, or maybe they're off to do very, very important business for a cigar company or something like that. Yes. You just assume it's some very old, old worldly sort of, oh, yeah, this is very An important. insight into your mind whilst driving. <laughs> yes. What, what I used to think, and I, I think I've said this on the podcast before, it just got completely ruined for me one day, was that when I was younger, I just thought, well, all pilots land their planes <laughs> and then they go and get into their Jaguar. Of course they do. No. <laughs> and then I, I just by chance, like, uh, I think I was flying back from Sweden and the pilot of my plane got on the same bus that was taking me to the car park and he got and walked over to this sort of reserved section for people who worked at the airport and he got into a Skoda Fabia. Right, and okay. he was the captain. He wasn't, you know, the first officer just yeah, scrou yeah. scrounging by. He was sort of, you know... <laughs> a maturer guy and i thought ah oh, i thought you all drove you know smoking jacket style <laughs> xj's you I know was living in the 60s yeah that, that's just well that's just where my mind went to <laughs> and when i just saw him with a diesel skoda i was like oh it's not even an octavia or a superb <laughs> you know it's just the fabia um so yeah uh style wise i'm starting to wonder if manufacturers are, are putting themselves into a bit of a corner oh so I, i'm reading this book which is um, the age of combustion which i have to say is a very good read it does feel if you're a bit younger and you're reading it it does feel just a touch cynical right okay but but only because i understand why it feels why he's written it in a way that is a bit cynical because it, it's kind of like well this is it's all over basically all the combustion and it's all over the age is so it's a happy book <laughs> but it's in a celebratory way that he's talking about this you know okay. how fantastic it has been and if you're a modern enthusiast today and you're younger you're like hold on what do you mean been like it still can be <laughs> you know they like we don't have to give up on these things but then i understand if you've watched can you imagine if you were watching car design in the 70s and 80s and seeing what mm -hmm. they could do and then you looked at it today and you're like oh they can do nothing i mean yeah. they, that's unfair to the designers but you know, before they start, they said, right, the headlights have to be here. The, you know, you have to have this amount of pedestrian safety. So this has to be curved in this way and that way. And for aero efficiency, we need you to put this angle and this angle in. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, the car has kind of drawn itself by the wind tunnel. Yeah. And it leaves designers with less and less space to sort of make that individual look. I oh, let the design designers can do the lights and sometimes they get to do a wheel. Mm-hmm. It might even get to do a window do or a door, maybe a wing mirror. Do you know what's funny? I'm going to pick out all of those things you said. Wheels are being made to be more and more aero efficient because they disturb the air. Yeah. What was, it for, what was the other thing you said before that? Uh, lights. Lights. Yeah. lights are being made to be thinner for the latest LED technology because that's seen as like a, well, we want to be cutting edge. So let's... Yeah, that's, that's style. That's nothing to do with aero though. No, it's nothing to do with aero. But from a designer point, if you say, for example, if you look at the new 5 Series, They've stuck with a bigger lens because Good. that's kind of the face of the 5 Series, which looks great. 
but with the 7 series and the iX and the um iX uh, sorry not the X7 they've just gone with slits yeah because that's the newest technology and you think of a designer if you said to a designer look you've got this big area and you can put an angel eye BMW in there and you can design it however you want versus you've got three centimeters high <laughs> 20 centimeters wide you can do nothing with it so just put a light bar in there it you lose some of that creativity those little things that used to sort of set, set it apart. so what you're saying is that car designers should basically be gone to and they should say we want you to make a modern version of like a classic version of one of our cars yeah so like the world's best car company have just have just <laughs> announced well, have announced. What, what would you like to pick up here, Sam? Uh, just a new Koenig segment. Oh right, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> have you have you seen it? Have you got a picture in front uh, of you? Have I you haven't. Got, would you like me to fill you, so you can get a picture in front of you? Because no, I'm you, not you, giving you my phone uh, to look at it. So what was it? Could, what's it called? Uh, if you give me two seconds, I can't remember the exact lettering and number. So the other it. thing you said there, it's the CC850. The other thing you said there, by the way, was wing mirrors. Mm-hmm. Well, wing mirrors are being turned into cameras for yeah. aero efficiency. Yes. So again, uh, yes, it was something you used to be able to design, and now it just needs to be a camera. CC850, is it? Let's have a little look. Yeah. Now, Ooh. see if you can get a a side by side comparison. Well, just, is this versus the CCX? Is that what the CC8? Is it CC8? CC8. Yeah. CC8. What's the CCX? That was that was like a one that, that a came different... afterwards, I think. Yeah. Was it the same chassis? Yeah, same right. chassis. So basically, well, it's, harking, put... it's harking back to the original. No, sorry, it might have been the CCX. Either way, it was the CC something. So the one I'm looking at here is... So why are they doing this? No, it's just a hark back to the first car that they made. Okay. But, I mean, is there a... Are they just doing it for the, you know, the demand? Or is there something that they're I think it's something to to do with it being the 50th birthday of um, Mr. Koenigsegg. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, So it's a sort of a throwback to the first car he made. But if you look at one like a side-by-side of that and the original. If you've got the new one up there, I can show you a picture of the original. Which I'm... Yeah. And you can see how it's pretty much... Yeah, yeah. Barring the back lights. Do you know what? They have done a really good job here of not making it look like a new new car. Well, well, it's like a new version do you of... Know what, do you know what this reminds me of? This is like, you know, when you see some classics at Porsche 911, for example. Yeah. And companies say okay look you see all the old stuff that's on it like the halogen lights or whatever uh we can replace that light unit with an led but we'll keep it in the exact same sort of design but it will just look a little bit more modern and it'll be an led and people go oh yeah i'd like that that would be and they go oh you know your stereo doesn't have apple carplay or anything we can design you one that looks very similar to the original but it has all the modern features that you want and it'll work with your car perfectly that's what this reminds me of. I'm amazed, actually, they've been able to keep such a similar look. Although, well, it looks nothing like the other Koenig's eggs that are currently the, made. The newer really, ones, yeah. The um, only... So I got this quickly. I did just quickly just look up the bits that you were asking me. Yeah. So it's a hark back to the first CC models from the 1990s and early 2000s. The CC850 powered by a twin turbo V8 rear wheel drive. Uh, Real wheel drive. And the reason it's wow. a 850 is there'll be 50 units built to celebrate the 50th birthday of Christian von Koenigsegg. Nice. Which is a fantastic name, and I might name my children. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If if, uh, if you ever meet Sam and he's got Christian and Christian. His, his Christian. <laughs> Christian <laughs> and his... Von. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm ha- our third child is about to be born. His name is Koenigsegg. Koenigsegg yeah. 
Um, do you know the interesting thing for me though, and this, it makes me happy and sad at the same time that things like that exist. The thing I'm happy about is that companies like Koenigsegg go, yeah, let's do that. And then they do it. Mm -hmm. And you go, wow, you know, like some companies won't do it because they don't want to admit their earlier stuff wasn't quite as good. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a sort of 240, 250 mile an hour car. Yeah. Like uh, that, there's no, but also there's no fact behind that, but I'm, I would put my house on the fact that it would be, and I could put my house on it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But I was going to say that uh, companies are a bit like, oh, well, buy our new stuff. We don't want to redo old stuff. That's old. It's in the past. Yeah. We, we can do something better now. And they don't want to admit that actually what they previously did was really good and they may have to go away from that. They don't want to do that. Whereas this is clearly Koenigsegg going, you know what? Our first car, it wasn't the best one we've done. because, no, but it was know, good. And here we are. We've made a better version yeah, it, of it. <laughs> we had a cracker to begin with. So yeah. We're just going to reinvent the cracker. Yeah. You know, and there we go. That's what you get. Um, there you go, Miles, reinventing the wheel by reinventing phrases there. There we go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have gone with wheel, actually, shouldn't I? Yeah. Well, that is the phrase, mate, yeah. yeah. But you've made up a new one. There we go. So on, here we are, the Miles Driven, reinventing the cracker. Reinventing <laughs> phrases since 2022, yeah. Um, the, the thing I like about it, though, uh, sorry, the thing I, that I like is what we've discussed there about it being, you know, a hark back. I mean, it's, not, it's by it. far not their prettiest car, in my opinion. Which one would you prefer? The Agera. Right, okay, yeah. RS. Um, the thing for me is, is that it, it's only being done at a level of two and a half million pound cars. Yeah, like I just—I don't know how expensive that's going to be, but because it's a hypercar, it's going to be around that sort of. Yeah, I just—I thought about this. So I was at the British Motor Show, and I was looking at Vauxhalls and Ford stand. Did you did, see a Koenigsegg there? I didn't. Oh, I, was I did say, see if, a Lamborghini. If, if you did uh, and didn't take a picture of it, I think this podcast may have. Yeah. Happened. Did you see oh, several Lamborghinis? Just while quickly, um, I'm going to jump in and interrupt you there. Mm. I was driving home the other day, and one of our listeners will know which garage I'm talking about. I was driving home from work. I went past a place called Lone Pine Garage, which is near a village that I have to drive through to get home. And so I was just driving up the road. It's quite far up the road, this uh, reasonably straight road. And I, just, I could just see something yellow. And this car, they've always got something outside, like an Aston Martin DB5, or they've got a lot of Land Rovers. They do like a lot of niche things okay. it's not like a garage where you see someone take their four bondo i mean they no, will no. do stuff but They're it's specialist it's like a countryside garage yeah um, and outside was a no letters after it just a box i say box standard a box standard lamborghini Murcielago in yellow really and i was like oh you don't see that very often in the countryside just someone from the village like oh i better go and get it yeah serviced. i suppose they take the lambo down and yeah, like cool yeah, garage just a completely standard and you're like when we were younger that was like but now it, it looks I still think it looks amazing, mm. but it does. You look, you drive past one, and you're like, "Huh, that looks old." Yeah, okay. But I still think, "Wow, it's a Lamborghini." I'm like, "Mate, I, mean, I forgot to tell you, I was actually going to ring you." But, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I couldn't because I was driving. I think the the thing with that car is that, again, going back to what I said earlier about compromises, yeah. it's very compromised. Like, if you look at the design of it, for example, there's a huge gap between the wheel and the bodywork. Yeah, because they didn't <laughs> have mod like well, they did they had modern suspension, but not the suspension we have today, where you can have you know, a, a hair between them and they won't hit because yeah. they've got all different types of controls. Then they had to go, no, it'll need a good two inches of, of wheel travel, so we've got to lift the body. <laughs> I remember seeing one for the first time, you know, you see them in posters and they always get a really good angle. But I remember seeing one in real life the first time. I thought, it looks a lot higher than, well, it must have a, a mode to lift it up. Yeah. It's like, no, that's, that's how it comes. <laughs> and you suddenly realise that because it's got to be able to perform on the road, 
Yeah. Which I think is what is forgotten about by a lot of these car companies. Now, it's that car could perform on the road because, again, it was compromised in a way. But yeah. humans generally on the road couldn't get to the upper echelons of its power and its and its performance anyway. Well, you'd hope not, wouldn't no. you? No. <laughs> so exactly. So you might as well have it hugely compromised in areas because the people are never going to be able to get outside the envelope to in- experience those. Um, yeah. But of course, someone puts it on a track and they said, oh, I could go faster. And for some reason, we will get obsessed with that. Yeah, oh, and that's what we've gone. I interrupted you. You were talking about the British Motor Show. I was going to say that while I was there, I just had a quick look at Vauxhall Stand and Ford Stand because they were they were both there. And they are, you know, if you're listed around the world, it'll be Holden. If you're in Australia, it'll be Chevrolet. Yeah. Um, if you're in the US or Opel, if you're in Europe. But Ford managed to keep their name the, the same everywhere. They, they did it quite <laughs> simply. Um, but for most countries, those two manufacturers are, are they're the supplier of the average person's car mm-hmm. yeah if we were to say yeah yeah we're sort of we're not you know not talking it down no just if you want a car and you don't want to spend too much money but you want something that's okay uh those would be your manufacturers that would be the sort of first two to go towards especially in the uk they used to be very popular and they've sort of dropped off since but yeah then i thought well, what did they used to make like what would have been here if I was stood here twenty years ago, ten years ago? What would have been here? Because what was on the stands was for Vauxhall they had a Corsa, electric, obviously. Uh, they had the plug-in Astra, mm-hmm. and they had I think it's the Mocha, their sort of crossover. Yes, those were the three cars they had on their stand. Uh, and then I went to Ford, and Ford had the Puma, <laughs> obviously, which is the small crossover. Mm-hmm. They had the Cougar, which is the sort of SUV that couldn't do, it can't really do any SUV things. Yeah. But it's an SUV. But it's a, like a big golf. Yes, there we go. <laughs> and the Marquee, which oh, is the, the Mustang Marquee. Oh, okay. Which is their electric car. That's, that yeah. is the Ford okay. electric car. Those were, the th- those were the only cars on show. Right. And they're the only cars at the moment from those manufacturers that you can actually buy. So pretty dull. As in, uh, when I say buy, sorry, I mean, if you walked into a showroom and said, yeah, I need a car, what have you got? Uh, they, they, you know, what would be around would be those. If you want, for example, a Ford Mustang, you can still buy one, but you need to order it. If you want a Ford Fiesta, you'll have to get onto the back of a waiting list oh, really? for when they start the production again. Oh, yeah, you said a I'd few said it in yeah, the previous yeah. podcast. That, so, yeah, you could say, I want one, and they would say, that's fine. But we won't take your order yet. We'll just put you on the wait list and we'll call you. Oh, well, that's good. And obviously the Ford Mondeo you can't buy anymore. And the Insignia is being dropped. So I mean, that's you... no great shame, if I'm honest. Sam was I not a big fan. A, a hatred from when yes, I first yes, drove one of those. Yeah. Uh, but it it's was not, the worst car I've ever driven. But it's not being replaced. So it's not there's another one coming out that you might think, oh, I'll give that a try instead. Yeah. That's it. It's gone. Okay. And so if you want that size vehicle, you have to go and buy the Mocha or the Grandland or whatever else. Um but the the point to that was, I started to think, I just thought, huh, I wonder what used to fill these spaces. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that sort of if you go back to Ford 20-ish years ago, there was the brand new, it was actually the mid-90s, so we're going a bit further back, but I will catch myself up. Yeah. The brand new Ford KA, which at the yeah. time <laughs> was completely revolutionary. Yeah. The, the little, idea of The little this, egg car. Yeah. This tiny little city car. That could do everything you wanted, had loads of space inside, but 
you know, was just a little car to run around in. My auntie bought one. She said one day she was living in London and she came out to her car and there was a small crowd of people. I say just a small crowd, you know, a few people. Listening. And she genuinely just thought, oh, someone's put a brick through the window. Because, yeah. you know, she'd had a Ford, I think a Cortina or something, and the wheels had been nicked. And, okay. you know, you live in a city, these things happen. So she just assumed the reason there will be people stood around my car is someone's put a brick through the window or someone's hit it. Mm-hmm. No, she had a very early one. There weren't many of them around. And people saw it and they, they just didn't know what it was. They were so interested. <laughs> and they talked to her about it and they were like, wow, this is cool. Next, Ford Puma, which was built on a Ford Fiesta chassis. Now, if you want a more practical version of a Ford Fiesta, uh, sorry, of a Ford Puma, buy a Fiesta. And do you yeah. know what people did? They went, yeah, I actually, I, I want the sporty looking thing. Yeah. So they bought the Puma. Then you had the, I'm going to forget its name. Oh, the, the Cougar. Yeah. But the original one, which was a, a coupe, coupe shape. Mm-hmm. Then they brought out, then they started to go a bit more sensible. They went Focus. But they went, well, we're going to do a Focus. Shall we do it with like a rally? version yeah let's yeah. do that yeah which is now one of their most expensive cars that you can buy on the second hand market yes and, they, and they've given up trying to sell to people yeah um but my point with that was that oh and the probe ford probe yeah that was a horrible uh, looking car yeah but this is only this is just the uk i mean you think what was available in australia and the us and mainland europe i'm just picking out the ones we had mm-hmm. they but they were all someone in the design studio was like well what does everyone want well, everyone just wants large coupes I, that that was their answer to everything. Vauxhall on stilts. Yeah, Vauxhall. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, they relaunched them on stilts. Uh, Vauxhall had the Calibra. Yep. Then, looking car, right? Yeah, it was. Uh, which I think was on an Astra chassis, or at least bones of an Astra. They had something else that's completely escaped my mind. I should have written it down before the podcast, but they did have something else. What sort of size are we talking? Uh, I'm only thinking of coupes. Oh, okay. Like, all They're these the little sports car, the yeah. VX220. Was the VX? Do you know what there was a VX220? I, that I saw one the other day, actually. Did you? Yeah. Uh, just they're an absolute cracker. I love. I just love the fact that someone on Vauxhall went. Can someone give Lotus a ring? Ask them if we can just have their chassis. We'll stick our body on it. And oh, what have we got extra? Oh, a couple of those two point twos, and might as well put the two point uh, two liter petrol in there as well. And we'll just see if we can sell them. I just love the fact that that was a con- <laughs> like Vauxhall have no business selling a rebodied lotus because if you want it why wouldn't you buy a lotus yeah. and yet but it looked nicer <laughs> it did and someone and you could have it as a faster car because it was a two liter turbo but someone there at Vauxhall greenlit that someone came to them with that idea and said look it was sacked soon after yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was that thing now if you went if you were in Vauxhall and you said I'm thinking of making a very low production relatively low cost sports car we have to borrow it off someone else and rebadge it probably make no money in fact it will most likely be a loss but think of the car and someone someone today would be well, well sacked. you'd be sacked and it'd then be red lighted whereas yeah. before it was green lighted then they were sacked yeah. a couple of years <laughs> later uh, just when you think of where we were from that because um, the other car i was going to bring out is they had the astra they had an astra which was a coupe yes the convertible yeah yeah but the, the coupe one as well they had two. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Of that uh, Astra, oh, what we what's your one? It's an H, it's yeah. a G before that. Mm-hmm. So someone actually went, yeah, you see this hatchback we've got, which we sell in very good numbers and we make good profit on. Shall we make it more niche by getting Pinaferina? Why not? Yeah, we'll give him a ring, <laughs> uh, pay him loads of money and get him to redo a 
body shell for us. And someone went, God, that would make a nice loss. Let's do that. <laughs> now, again, it, it's one of the things that irks me a little bit, that when I look at cars today, you realise it's it feels like, and I really, if I'm wrong, and you work in the car industry, and you've got a different opinion on this, you know, if you work for one of the manufacturers or whatever, do get in touch and tell me if I'm wrong. But it feels more like a shareholder meeting. It feels like when I worked in a corporate environment. Yeah. And people say, does this make maximum amount of profit for the shareholders and make the maximum amount of sense? And if humans always live like that, I don't, we'd probably be living in space by now, but I don't know if you'd be very happy. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's the thing, isn't it? What, what brings a lot of people joy is irrational. To be fair, if you want a convertible car of that sort of size and mm. you don't mind it being a bit higher up in the sky, mm. you can get one of the most pointless and horrific cars that you can buy, which is a VW T-Rock convertible. Yes, you can. I saw one the other day. Yeah. A brand new one, just driving down the road, someone looking, someone that wasn't clearly from a mental assignment. No. Yeah, yeah. They weren't insane. Yeah. They didn't appear to have some sort of massive head injury. No. That had caused them to walk in and be conned into buying the what is effectively a car that's been had the roof cut off and someone put a tent on top of it. Yeah. They just seem to be happily driving and with lost, the roof up. It's lost two doors as well. Yeah. So it was a four door. A bit car. like the Evoke convertible. Yeah, yeah, the Evoke convertible, which I only ever once saw one on the road. And it was I used to have one on an old estate that I lived on. Someone used to have one. Did you? And every yeah. time it came past, it was in that stupid orange colour. There you go. It out yeah. And it's like, why have you done this but to But you your know life? what? I'm going to stop being against those people and the manufacturers that do Because them. they're being different. Because, yeah, because actually, do you know what's happened? Is that we've all gone, oh, that's ridiculous, that looks silly. And the manufacturer's gone, good idea, we'll stop making them. What we'll sell is a box with lots of space. Yeah, but the solution is not to keep making convertible SUVs, because Top Gear tried that and it didn't work. Uh, yeah. The solution is to bring out some smaller cars as a convertible. Make the yeah. smaller coupe cars, make convertible versions of those and do Can that. Don't think... make the big cars convertible. Can you think off the top of your head, uh, of any let's say reasonably priced so you can go to whatever you think is reasonable but new mm -hmm. car money reasonable convertible car no i can't think of any new cars that are of reasonable money no and I, I thought that might be the first trip up because my first thing would be a three series uh, an a5 or whatever the mercedes version of that so size is but they'll all be about now. eight billion pounds yeah. and so the four series convertible and the a5 convertible both start around forty thousand pounds Right, okay, well, that's not unreasonable, I guess. It's not bad, those, but I mean... But it's still horrific. You used and to be able to throw a pot on the salesman. <laughs> you used to be able to walk into Vauxhall and say, do you know what, um, not really into cars, but I, what I really like is uh, not having a roof on my car for mm. three or four months a year when I can... Yeah, because I'm an optimist. I just hope it's going to be mm -hmm. good weather. In the UK, we used to have... So you? Yes. <laughs> what I used to be, what was the average car buyer? Because we, you, despite the weather we get in the UK... The highest number of convertible sales in Europe, UK. I, th I think the only, actually, the country that rivaled us was Germany. But yeah, they just had. Because we're all idiots. Yeah, we <laughs> were just forever optimists. If you met the average Brit and you said, What are you expecting in your life and for the weather next week and blah, 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 they'd probably give you the answer of it's all rubbish because that's what we like to say. But underneath the skin, we are all hopeless optimists. Like if you say yeah. to someone, you live in the UK, what are you hoping the weather's going to be like in March? What, might get, a, might get the barbecue out? Because there might be that one sunny day where, you know, we've had the, the um, what's it called? Yeah, the, I mean, what's, the, what's the air current we get from the tropics? The Gulf Stream. Yeah, so that we, we're just hoping that one day... Jet Stream, Gulf Stream. Yeah, I was going to say, what you're going to confuse is what the planes fly on and what comes here. It doesn't matter. 
well, my point was going to be that in March, every now and again, yeah, we'll have it'll be two degrees for an extended period of time, and then the weatherman out of nowhere will go. So on Saturday, it's going to be eighteen degrees. Blah blah. blah. You have to quickly look this up while you're talking because it's going to annoy me that I might have got that wrong. And Brits, if they hear that and they've got a convertible for a start, the roof's coming down, the barbecue's out, and people will shiver out in their back gardens. It's the Gulf Stream. I was. It right. is the Gulf Stream. Okay. <laughs> But because we're forever optimists, you know, yeah. uh, we've kind of been robbed of that opportunity now. Because if you want, again, a stylish convertible that is less than £30,000, you're really in... You're not going to get one. <laughs> well, you're in the used car market is where you are, actually, yeah. <laughs> I, I find it... I know they, were not, they weren't making lots of money. But when, when you're not trying to argue to a shareholder... You know, if you're just trying to argue to your common average person to buy a car, which is yeah. what I used to do when I sold cars, that's what I used to do. I was trying to, oh, actually, there's the answer. It's the Mazda MX-5. Sorry, that's the car. And it always has been the car. But True. But it's a bit small. Tell you what would be the car if they still made it, the Honda S2000. Oh, that's a brilliant car. That is a brilliant, brilliant car. And I'm, I, I cannot talk for a limited amount of time about <laughs> <laughs> the Honda S2000. I would have owned one if it were not for the fact that I didn't fit in one. Yeah. I got to drive several, but when I say drive, they were a tighter fit than the... Oh, no, they weren't. They were about as tight as a Lotus Elise for me because the leg room... Oh, okay. My leg was jammed up against the steering wheel, but I remember taking the one I had a red S2000, the 2005, had it on the forecourt, and this guy came in, lovely guy, came in with his dad. He'd been saving... For a house mm-hmm. um and i can't remember what would happen in his life <laughs> something had happened and he had thought Do you know what i'm not gonna be able to buy a house in the next couple of years i'm gonna spend the money i've saved and i'm just gonna enjoy it and yeah. he came in and it was february <laughs> and best time to buy a convertible my general manager had bought this thing from auction in like the start of january and he said oh, it will sell really quick and i said oh it's not really the time of year and i said and you know that and he says i know it, but it's fine this will sell. Okay. Just so happened, we didn't get any interest, and we <laughs> dropped the price and dropped the price. And I got to a point where I'm like, I don't fit in it, but it's so well priced. <laughs> and this guy came in, and we took it for a drive together. And he's, um, you know, just having a chat on the way back. Obviously, it's two seats, so his dad wasn't there. And we were talking the three of us when he came back. And I said, Do you know what? The, I, I even I'm sat here, and I said I'm not trying to sell it to you because I'm, I'm, I'm sure the car has sold itself. Yeah. But if I was shorter, or if I, you know, was a bit more gutsy about it, I think I'd actually buy it myself. And the bloke was like, "Yeah," he said, and he bought it. And I said, "What, what's the sort of plan with it? You're going to take it on a summer?" He said, "I don't know." He said, I'm, "But I'm going to restart saving, and keep it." And I, I can't blame him. Yeah, I can only because it was red. And they look great in red. No. How many have you seen in red? None. Well, probably None. Not. No, yeah, but because red's not a good colour for cars. Oh, red's a great colour no, for cars. No, it's not. Ferraris are red? Yeah, Ferraris, that's it. That's it. Ferraris, the end. The end. Uh, no, there's like, I, I, I mean, I was going to actually pick one or two, but there's loads. But, no, then, there but, I, I was trying, but we would disagree on all of them. Yeah, we would, yeah. Like, I think the old S3s look great in no, red. No, awful. Uh, Vox Lastra VXR. No, terrible. In the secondary no. red that they did. Uh, Ford Focus ST looks great. No, it really doesn't. It does. No, it doesn't. Because so few of them are red. Um, BMW 3 Series. Awful. 
Looks great in red. No one bought one in red. They look really exactly. good. Miles, you're, you're proving my point. No one bought one in these colours. No, I'm proving the point that people go... People buy them in blue, yellow, green, but no one buys a car in red. When was the last time you saw a yellow 3 Series? Uh, there's an, there was an M4 that I saw. Oh, an M4, actually. yeah, in that mustard yeah, colour. We're, yeah. we're not talking about basic cars. We're talking about decent cars. Like, you don't get a base spec Honda S2000. No, but what I would, my point was going to be, when uh, Vauxhall used to do the Astra convertible, I remember trading several in, and they wouldn't. I had one come in in silver. One, right. one was yellow. Yeah, like, this is not. These cars were not high spec. These had like small, they weren't high quality either. <laughs> but they didn't need to be. All they needed to do was the roof needed to remove successfully on a warm day, and you. Uh, and it was fifty fifty. <laughs> <laughs> but anyone who's listening to this who's driven a convertible will know this. The second the roof comes off. You do not care, and you just think to yourself, every car in the world should be like this. Well, me and my it's... partner, when we're, we're going to, in a couple of years now, because obviously things are going on with weddings and children, and we're going to ditch the child with my mother if possible <laughs> <laughs> and go and do the North Coast 500. And we do want to buy a cheap MX-5 or something, just yeah, for like yeah. 1,500 just to, quid or something. If it. you could get an S2000 in reasonable condition for three or four grand, no, you can't. I, I know you can't, no, but no. if you could, I'd buy one of those and I'd yeah. keep it. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. MX-5, I yeah. said, we were out with their parents and we went to a little country show in their village and they had a few cars there. There was an E-Type and some really mm. older, oh, some older bits. But MG, there was an MX-5. MGB, mate. There was an MGB yeah, there, actually. MGB, yeah. <laughs> uh, with the, next to the E-Type, which really showed it up. Yeah. Um. But yeah, there was one there, and I said, I said to Kat then, and her parents were telling me, so yeah, that's the sort of thing we'll buy for like sort of thirteen, fifteen hundred pound. We'll go do the North Coast five hundred, and then when we get back, we'll just throw it in the bin. If you know what I mean, like you just yeah, sell it yeah, or just do just whatever. And her on. parents looked at me like, well, why would you do that with a car? I was like, well, because I only want it for that. I don't yeah. want a knackered old MX five with what's going to be a leaky roof. Yeah. To um, keep. Do you know what? Do you know what the interesting thing for me is when that when that day comes, I'll be really interested to see what because i'm sure i'll be part of this like, i'll go with you and have a look at it yeah yeah i would be really interested to see how much it actually does cost because because car cars are so well, fun cars are getting so rare mm -hmm. car prices older stuff that because a lot of people have got your same plan the the price keeps going up and up and up and so i do wonder today you're right you know if you had a budget of up to five thousand pounds you get yourself a reasonably nice mx5 one that's quite new as well i mean in relative terms quite new yeah but i just wonder in say five years whether five grand buys you one that's you know not even running for example i'm, I'm wondering i don't know for a fact well yeah we don't, we don't know where the prices are going to go do we like you say so no I, I just a comment on that you know you said the mgb mm -hmm. when i went to this car show and i found the only mgb gt that was there of course you did and it was really nicely and I know people don't like the word modified, but it was really nicely modified. However, one of the things that will upset a lot of MG owners, or it might not, I don't know, because he put a little plaque in the window, a little sheet in the window, so he right, sort of explained okay. what he'd done to the car. And in the engine was a Mazda MX-5 1.6. So he'd oh, taken really? an MX-5 engine and fitted that. Oh, that's cool. And he said because, and he was saying, you know, it's it's completely reliable now like there's there's nothing he never ever turns the key and thinks it might not start but it has so it has a lot more power than the original it's very okay. fuel efficient because you know it's a light car and then he'd done all the little bits so you know the the front lights were changed to led lights yeah so that, you know you've got a good beam 
um, projected out. And just a few other like wheels and cleaned up the exterior and got rid of any rust. And, you know, I think he painted it in a more modern colour. Okay. So just, it was it was still an odd, it, I mean, it wouldn't, it was like a pastel type colour. Um, right. But just interesting from the point of view of, I love the fact that people are doing that. I didn't realise, until I did classic photography, I didn't realise how much we're following MGBs <laughs> and MGB GTs have. And, and now you're like the leader of the clan. <laughs> yeah. Well, I still want to get a, a broken one and do a V8 uh, swap on it. Oh, good. Yeah, because you've got the ability to do that. With you? Yeah. Yeah, just because you have another body doesn't mean you've suddenly got the ability to do this sort you of You learn, stuff. mate, as you do it. That's the whole trick, isn't Not it? Not while it's on your mate's driveway. Well, yeah, that's exactly when you learn. <laughs> as it's leaking fluids all over your mate's driveway, that's exactly the moment that you learn. <laughs> you go, right, well, that was a mistake. Good thing we're doing this on your driveway because... <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> get the jet god forbid out, it was at my house yeah that'd be terrible yeah um on from that so w- i was talking about style and you know how the how the things are being created i think the bigger concern for me out of all of this is that for as long as i can remember when i've talked to people about cars so i can talk to sam about cars and i can sort of then talk about the engine and the brakes and the suspension and he'll listen mm-hmm but for your average... I might not engage, but I'll listen. Yeah, depending on what it is. If it's something, you know, hypercar-ish, then... Yeah. You know what Sam's like? It's either bargain basement <laughs> or it's hypercar. Yeah. There is absolutely... Not interested in anything in between. He's not interested in anything between £2,000 and £2 million. <laughs> <laughs> Everything outside of those two is where Sam is. Um, but no, the, the thing that I used to be able to talk to people about was car style you know or people who would have owned something sporty in their life it wouldn't be them the, you know, it wouldn't be a ferrari yeah but people might have owned an mx5 they might have owned you know a variety of different those those fords and voxels i picked up and they would always have a little story about their car whether it was owning it and they had to spend a bit of money on it but it was so worth it because it had this great attitude to it and they miss it and blah 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 and i'm worried that that conversation with your average not sort of car enthusiast, but just someone that bought one once because they got a bonus or they got a promotion and they thought, oh, I'll get a nice car. Yeah. I'm wondering that might be disappearing because the cars that that fulfilled that role were never, you know, if people got a bonus and they could suddenly go and spend a bit extra money on a car, they didn't run to the Porsche dealer. No. Uh, depending on what job they had, I suppose. But <laughs> yeah. for your average person, they didn't run to a Porsche dealer. But they did go to the, you know, the regular manufacturers Mm-hmm. who always did something to pick up that market, whether it was Peugeot doing a 207 convertible. And, you know, you, we all might sit there and go, hmm, it's not very fun. But that person who bought it was like, yeah, but I wanted a Peugeot because I had a hatchback and I wanted the roof to come off. And this fulfilled that, you know, that journey. I was following someone on the way to the British Most Show who had heavily modified their 207 convertible <laughs> with... A racing additions, I would say. Okay. It was funny. They hadn't done anything mechanical at all, as in like the engine or the exhaust, which is usually where people start and they make a yeah. bang, bang, bang down the road. Yeah. Instead, they'd lowered it, but left all the standard wheels and then just decorated the bodywork in... That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, uh, do you know what? In a sea of grey cars yep. that I was stuck in a traffic jam with, I must have looked at that car 50 times and looked at the, I don't know, bmw that was next to me once really so, yeah it just because i mean the, the m25 is full of gray three series okay if it's an m3 yeah okay nice that's but if you why'd you buy it in gray buy it in something loud like you 
you went out to buy an exciting car, paint it something exciting. Yeah. yeah. Make it make it exciting for other people to witness. Um, but, you know, if you just want it in grey, fine. There was a, I saw a comment about this. Someone has, uh, they've rebuilt or they've been refurbishing a Ferrari F40. Wow. And okay. they got it repainted in like a Nardo grey. Yeah. And all the comments were, so you've Why got one you of done them, this. Why yeah. have you done this? Why have you got one of the most exciting cars you could possibly own and then said, I want it in a shade of grey? Like of all the colours on earth you could pick from. Because some people like grey. Sam would get it in grey. But the thing is, that though, there, <laughs> was, there was a time when grey was a nice colour to have a car in. Just because everybody's gone down that route doesn't make it not a nice colour to do have you know, a car in. Anymore. Do you know the problem is, for example, that F4, you know what made that F40? I mean, I, did, I agree with you totally. It should, that shouldn't be that colour. No, <laughs> but the only thing that saved it was, of course, there's bright red racing seats in it. So when you have a grey car... Yeah, and the bright, engine cover. Uh, well, you could see through it. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the fact that there was other colours there and you had no, well, I mean, you could change the seat colour, I suppose. But I remember seeing a Ferrari F430 convertible and it had the, the bright red uh, leather seats. Oh, miserable. But with a, I can't remember. The that came color. in a lovely grey, that did. But it was in that grey, that sort of metallic, very metallic-y grey. So the contrast at least existed. There was still something about it. But what most people, for most cars, buy, because it's the only option, is black interior, grey exterior, probably some black or shadow-coated wheels. And it just ends up... uh, I I heard this one. When I was in Canada, and I was um, was staying at this sort of woman, older woman who had an Airbnb, I think I've told the story. And she made this really funny analogy. She said... It's so funny when winter comes to Canada because everyone just puts on their misery clothes. Yeah. And I obviously I had arrived, it was already winter, but she said, oh, you walk around Toronto in June and everyone's got bright colours on and they're, you know, white Yeah, in the winter everyone wears dark colours. Just black coat with grey trousers all the other way around. Mm-hmm. It's one of those two and that's all. And I thought, do you know what? It's funny. I've never thought of it. And Bless I, you me. I just wear claret everywhere. <laughs> all the time yeah, Most no the matter time. where he's there's going there's usually some sort of claret involved somewhere. whether he's going to the football pitch or not <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah I think I just wanted to, to pick that up I, I really do hope that we get some more designs and, and possibly if we are going to be put down the battery route and they get low enough costs I'm not really sure on the economics of it I don't really see how it happen at the moment but you never know um, then possibly convertible could be the answer because at least some of the drama comes back. Yeah. Uh, the other thing was, it's, I think the other, the other issue might be car ownership for car manufacturers that, again, are putting themselves into a corner. You're going to put so much technology in cars that why would you want to drive them eventually? Yeah, yeah. Um, just, everybody would just, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be your car. You'd just hop in a vehicle. And and it would take you somewhere, then you'd probably get a different yeah. vehicle to bring you back. Yeah, exactly. This is the funny thing. A lot of people say, well, I want my car to do that. I want it to be able to drive itself. It's like, so you've got a taxi. Yeah, at and which point, why would you bother owning one? You no, might exactly. as well just pay for it every time you want to use it. If you're paying £500 a month for an EV, you know, modern, I mean, EVs at the moment are that sort of money. Yeah. Or you could have a subscription service to Uber where you can just call one and it takes you wherever you want all yeah. month and you pay 450 quid, mm-hmm. And you never have to drive. You can, you know, and it's always on time. That would be a caveat. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's... But then, you know, if there was thousands of... Th- they're yeah. like, you know how the electric scooters have jumped up in every corner of every city Oh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying we're adding that 
in because that, yeah, most yeah. people are like, well, I get an Uber and it never turns up on time. And yeah, that's because at the minute there's, you know, say a thousand of them in the city. Yeah, and, and there's it's... not really what you call stringent measures to become an Uber driver. No, and it's, you know, it's some guy. Do you have a car? Do you yes. have a license? No. Okay, well, as long as you've got provisional, you yeah, fine. Yeah, there you go, yeah. Um, whereas if it's just a, a drive, you know, driverless car, uh, uh, self-driving mm-hmm. uh, box that arrives. Uh, Google actually tried this a few years ago. It was Pods. Yeah. And I think got laughed at by the motoring press of why would anyone want to swap for a pod? And I, I get increasingly worried. And I tell you, the, the reason for it is what did cars mean to you when you were, say, 17 or 20 or however old you were when you got your driving license? Yeah. It's generally freedom. Mm-hmm. You can just go wherever you want, whenever you want. And what's there to stop you? The road doesn't close. No. You know, it, it just doesn't, unless it's being, you know, rebuilt or whatever. But it, it's not to restrict you. No roads are there to restrict you. They are just open and you can just go wherever. I mean, we live in the UK. There's a tunnel that takes us to the continent. If you kept driving, and I mean just didn't stop, you could get all the way to... Uh, I'm, I'm assuming no political issues yeah, here, yeah, by the way. <laughs> You could get all the way to nearly sort of Singapore. Yeah. You could just, you know, you go through Russia and then all the way down through China and then, you know, keep going. Like, or you go to India. Like, Well, you could get everywhere by land. You could get everywhere except America, Australia, New Zealand, Iceland, and Antarctica. Yeah, yeah there's a few places you need a boat. Yeah. But I mean, as in... Barring any, like, really small islands and stuff yeah, off, yeah. off the coast. I know, I know, I know and uh, Africa is actually... You can get to connected Africa. by yeah. land. Yeah, you go through Egypt. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, I think the the point I was going to make is that technically, I know no one is sat in their living room right now listening to us thinking. Might just... start now by Saturday. I might get somewhere yeah. near. <laughs> I know they're not thinking that, but that it's is nice to know you could. Yeah, it's just <laughs> an incredible freedom that you know a hundred years ago you said to the average person in in most parts of the world, well, almost every part of the world. How far can you take yourself right now? No help for anyone else, just you and a vehicle. There we go. Well, I could probably get to the end of the street because they had a horse, you know. <laughs> very, very wealthy people had cars and yeah. they could do 15 or 25 miles an hour, you know. And they, they ran on wheels that were incredibly uncomfortable. to. Yeah. You know, it, and they were very complex to operate. So just the idea of just driving was really... I mean, you go and enjoy it, but... The idea of doing New York to California, for example. Yeah. Well, the roads, I don't think, were that built, really. So you do part of it (laughs) off-road. That, to me, is what makes the essence of cars. It's what makes some of them just so exciting. And uh, as a person, it makes you really understand that freedom that we have afforded to us. To think that restrictions could come in and that basically start to block those freedoms you get a little bit worried about that yeah um so we'll see where it goes i could be wrong and as i say maybe it'll go the other way i just i just hope that uh possibly from the design side we do get some individuality back i don't know how they'll do it because i know they're restricted i know that carnegie can do it because they're a low manufacturer yeah, so slightly different when you're building 50 cars you can pretty much do what you want as long mm-hmm. as you don't put daggers on it you know because <laughs> so, yeah. it's relatively safe it, it will just pass um whereas you know 
Volkswagen if they said, oh, should we just build a, some something coupe? Like, let's build the Scirocco again. The original one. Let's just do that. Now it would just pretty much be a Golf with... Well, I mean, the old Scirocco that they discontinued yeah. was a Golf underneath with a new body. So, anyway, I think that's our podcast, Sam. Anything you want to add in, as usual? No, as usual. Shocking. <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> I will surprise you one day. Yes, I'm sure. I'm, I'll be sort of uh, all the way through the podcast and you'll be like, <laughs> Right, well, now my right. part starts. So yeah. now Miles has finished waffling. <laughs> yeah. A <laughs> uh, couple of things. We've um, actually, I've, I've talked about the YouTube stuff. People will be yep. aware of that. We've, I'll tell you what's been really encouraging outside of YouTube and the podcast is we're getting a lot more website visitors. Well, that's good. We, you know, for, for quite a while, we were very stable on the amount of, and, and the amount of time people would spend on the website, everything else. You could see it kind of plateaued. Right. And I, was, I wasn't sure how that would really continue to grow, mm-hmm. um, particularly because we commit so much time to doing the podcast, to doing the videos, trying to get new articles up is, is yeah. always a challenge for us. Um, but yeah, we start to see a, a sudden growth in it. That's so, good. Yeah, very positive news. So there you go. Positive news to the end of the podcast. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. If you've got any bits you want to add in any comments then by all means send them either on facebook to sam or instagram to me it's the miles driven otherwise have a great week and we shall uh, catch you next time indeed be real